it's my lifestyle, it's my lifestyle. <laughs> welcome, welcome to the Grounds Crew, a podcast covering all things baseball. We're brought to you by Baseball Lifestyle. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to the Grounds Crew. Uh, before we get started, as always, make sure you like and subscribe, toss us a review. We appreciate your support. We were just talking about the fact that we are always right on this podcast, or always. at least early to the answer. Um, the Red Sox beat the race. Called it. You're not shocked. Not shocked at all. Again, what we said on last episode came to fruition. The the teams who play in the play-in game, right, get a little bit of extra energy. But the bigger person who had energy, the bigger situation was you had the, the, the Red Sox beat the Yankees which is the premier rivalry in baseball, Mm -hmm. right? So you have the premier rivalry in baseball be a one-game playoff that they win. They're now playing a team they've played like a dozen-plus times, like 20 times in a regular season, and you know each other. You come through, you take down the Rays. We've talked about it. How are the Rays even here? How do they always put this team together? Mm -hmm. They seem to have the same thing that the Yankees have, in, in my eyes to some degree. The Rays are in a situation where they develop great talent. They're built on analytics, but they just don't. Like, uh, uh, Randy, though, Randy's ready for the playoffs every time. All the time. He's always ready, right? He's Randy to be Randy. So where do you think they came up short this year? I mean, just obviously off the top, they didn't have glass now, which hurts. Yep. Um, But also, from what I understand, like, they're also going to – ditch a bunch of their like core guys this year and get their their reload started again yep so i feel like that's probably like that they just had a little bit of an underperformance and glass on not being there hurt like yeah again i it is what it is right yeah. like baseball is funny uh the so again i was watching this morning is you know fast forward to not too long ago and daniel murphy turned into babe ruth and just started cracking home runs yeah I watched that and, video. and they and they and he hits one off of kershaw and the Mets in 2015 get to a World Series, and they weren't necessarily even close to being that team. They stopped the Dodgers' like dynasty from really k- kicking off and getting started. Then, mm-hmm. right? They delayed it another year. Um, and Daniel Murphy was always a really good player. He was an ascending player. He then, after that, was a really, really good player. Signed for big money. Was a really good player. Hit hit like 25. Can we pull up post Mets Daniel Murphy for me, uh, Deets? Uh, he yeah, was I think a, he batted like 320 with the Nationals. Yeah, yeah, he was a like he was a legitimate stud for like a two year at least window, but I'm pretty sure for three years of that contract, he was a really high level player. Do we got him pulled up? Yeah. So first season with the Nationals, 25 home runs, 104 RBIs. He had a 347 batting average. His OPS was 985. <laughs> Okay, so nine eighty five OPS. MVP. Nine eighty five OPS. Year one. Okay, next year. Uh, next year, twenty three home runs, ninety three uh, RBIs, three twenty two batting average, nine twenty eight OPS. Nine twenty eight. Also an all star. Let's give me the stupid. third year. Uh, third year, he looks like he got traded mid season. So I'll just go with the uh, total for the season. He had twelve home runs, forty two RBIs, two ninety nine batting average, seven ninety OPS. That was his last year. Uh, that was his last year. Was what last. was the year? What was the year after that? Don't go to last year. What was the year after that? Year after that, 2019 with Colorado, 13 home runs, 78 RBIs, 279 batting average, 780 OPS. So that so he had two his two years, right? His two year window after that, he was a dog. Mm-hmm. Um, again, he's a guy who we talk about. He came up late with the Mets that season. What, what how old was he? Age 2019 season. Uh, 2019, he was 34. So, like, that's a dude who really didn't get his pop until he was late in his career. Yeah. So this huge burst happened post-age 30. And, like, his fall-off happened. And, like, he needed to have been in the league sooner so that he would have gotten through his growing pains and learned how to play at the MLB level. Mm -hmm. And you would have gotten more years of a guy who had the potential of being a 1,000 OPS dude. So that's besides the point. Um... But, like, Daniel Murphy led them and just was so hot himself on a team that had all the other pieces. They had great pitching. They had all the stuff. That they just get hot. The Red Sox are well built. They can't hang their hat on one thing. But we saw it during a part of the season when Schwarber got hot. Mm-hmm. 
he carried them to a whole bunch of victories. Yep. Dude, anybody gets hot in a series and with who has like power in their body, mm-hmm. you could turn a whole series around. I think that's all that happened. They ran into a they ran into a little bit of a buzzsaw in a short series. Mm-hmm. I think that's all it was. That's a seven game series. I don't know if we have the same result. Yeah, it might be different. I think the Red Sox pitched good enough, mm-hmm. but their hitting has postseason experience mm-hmm. and they and they did the job. Um it, series that was big letdown for me. I was just so disappointed in Astros Sox. I wanted so much more from that, and the Astros exposed two things. One, that they are a good baseball team. They don't need to cheat to be successful. Yes, sir. And postseason experience absolutely plays. Two, that the White Sox are young and just didn't have it this time. I think next year they will absolutely, if they're in the playoffs, it'll be different. So I think the the Astros have a problem where they they might be losing pieces of this pie. Oh yeah, right. So like, very real This is the last like, I feel like this might be the last rodeo for them to some degree, Could be. unless they bring back Correa. Um, who, who I think he's I think he might be walking away. Right. I mean, the contract they already offered him, he laughed at it and it was for like 160 million dollars. So. So he's probably going somewhere. Right. Could be. Yeah. So then that moves into uh, us into that, that kind of framework where their young, exciting, talented team is now seasoned, older, ready to go, right? Uh, we talked about it in the last episode, right? Astros are that sneaky team because they have the experience. They've been there before. The White Sox were primed to be good in a, in a playoff situation if you could get to the bullpen. Problem was you couldn't get to the bullpen with enough of a lead to, to really dominate win the series. Mm-hmm. Um, that's out. The Braves, we talked about it, Freddie Freeman. Freddie Freeman just put them on his back, carries them to the promised land. Goodbye, good night, short series. Yep. Short series are just so funky in baseball, mm-hmm. right? Like, because you're just not used to three games could make make it all. And any team could get hot for a three-game run and just bounce a team that they have no business beating. Yep. And then all of a sudden you're in the next round and you, oh, wow, you, how did you guys then get 3 0 4 0 and you're gone, right? Like, whoa, oh, that's so disappointing. Mm-hmm. Guess what? That's the playoffs. Show up. If you're the Braves, who, like obviously the, by the time this podcast comes out, it'll be either the Giants or the Dodgers. You want to play the Giants? I don't care. I don't think it's good to play either of them. Yeah, probably not. They're both better than me. Like, yeah. I got Freddie Freeman and a couple other really nice players, but I got Freddie Freeman and some nice. Yeah. Honestly, they comp out looking like the Giants. The Giants have that like team of destiny shine right now. Like mm-hmm. they're they're really trying to hold on to the Infinity Stones as best they can. Yeah. Um. I I don't I don't know who you would want to play. I don't think that there's a good win. Yeah. I don't think there's anybody you want there's to no play. There's no good answer. Yeah. Right. In, in that situation, like there's nobody I want to play. Yeah. So like, no one. Uh. The only the only thing I'll say to you is, like, White Sox. I think are 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 gonna. Gonna regret not making more out of the season. Oh yeah. Because I look at next year, I don't, I don't. Mm, they they look like they had a lot of nice stuff and a a lot of good things. The team in the American League that I still stand by is going to be the cream of the crop of everything next year. Is Toronto? Oh yeah. Like Toronto's so nasty good, and if they're willing to spend more money, mm-hmm. like if they're willing to go all the way to the top. That's and the Rays are reloading and resetting the bar down. And the Yankees might also well, be kind of forget in the limbo. Yankees are always going to try to win. The Boston Red Sox are going to continue to try to win. Like, mm-hmm. but how does how do any of them really compete with the current iteration of where this team is ascending to? Yeah, like they're going to be better than they finished the season, I'd assume, because the guys who are young are going to continue to get better in their off seasons. Mm-hmm. There's going to be some normal progression forward, and then they might go out and sign a pitcher. Like, this, again, goes back the Mets team in 2015. If I had told you that they were only going to make it to one World Series and, one, and really one playoff that they even had threatened to be a team, mm-hmm. you'd laugh at me, right? That team looked like a buzzsaw. Yeah. You could, pff, your pitching staff was absolutely, well, we got Syndergaard, DeGrom, and Matt Harvey. And Matt Harvey was the dark knight returned, like, throwing shed absolute net like De- DeGrom was not the best pitcher on the Mets and he was great 
Yeah. Like one something, one seven ERA or whatever it is. Harvey had a killer ERA before he got he got crushed. Mm-hmm. You know what's crazy too with that pitching staff? They only pitched through the big five one time. Mm-hmm. Like that's insane. You didn't need to. Like all those guys stepped up and pitched multiple times. You moved all your. I, I oh think, no, I mean in season. As oh in, really? Did they only one time? Went uh, whatever. Harvey Degrom, Syndergaard, Wheeler, Mats. Once and then think about that. Think about that rotation right now. Absolutely ridiculous. Like that Wheeler, how good Wheeler is right now, and what Wheeler is displaying himself to be. Yep. On top of prime Syndergaard and prime Degrom, with what was Matt Harvey. So I know you got Matt Harvey's numbers pulled up over there, Deets. I actually have the uh, 2015 um, pitching staff, and it doesn't even look like Wheeler pitched at all. Um, but Harvey in 2015, Matt Harvey. 13 and 8 record, 271 ERA. Um, he had 188 strikeouts and 189 innings pitched. However, Jacob DeGrom, 14 and 8 record, 254 ERA, 205 strikeouts and 191. So DeGrom was still better than the Dark well, Knight. So, Matt Hardy. But that was the Dark Knight coming back from the injury. Yeah. Right. That's my point. Like, that was, that was the return of the Dark Knight. Mm-hmm. Like, that was him worse. Show me the season before he got hurt. So that would be 2013. I'd assume. Uh, 227 ERA, 191 strikeouts, and 178 innings yep. pitched. Like he was a stud. Mm-hmm. Like that's 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 the the sad of everything is Harvey fell off, right? If Harvey does not fall off, you've got Harvey, Degrom, Wheeler, and Syndergaard. That team should have won. Titles. The New New York Mets should have been title town. Yep. But they don't re-sign. They don't re-sign Daniel Murphy in the offseason. And he hated goes on that. to be a 900 OPS guy. Absolutely hated years, that move. Right? You don't sign him. And instead, you bring in a guy who had been okay, who was a comp for uh, 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 him on a one-year deal. And it just doesn't play out the way you expect it to. And the team is just not what it was. So, like, for me, I don't even know if the White Sox make it back next year. Definitely. I mean, I hope they do. You hope but they do, but you got to strike while the iron's hot, man. They also said they are gonna they were going to trade uh, Kimbrell in the offseason. Sure, because you don't need the two guys to be there, right? Yeah. So, like, hopefully, whatever they acquire in that moves the needle. But it's going to subtract from one place to upgrade in another right. place, and you're you're messing with team chemistry, and you're doing all this stuff. Like it's not always a, a one-to-one deal, right? Mm-hmm. It doesn't always help. Yep. Look at all the changeover that San Diego Padres had in the offseason, mm-hmm. and it, it made them worse. Yep. For as much more as they did, they got worse. Right? You went out and you got Frazier from Pittsburgh, right? Worse. Things did not improve, right? Yep. You uh, Cronenworth fell off the a cliff in the second half. Like solid player, right? The, the the thing is that you do all this stuff, and teams need time to gel. They need time to kind of fit each other. That's why, honestly, I got I look at some of the pieces on the Mets, and the Mets at least liked each other, mm-hmm. right? So I, there's a good core of of what that is. But like at this point in time, none of them have proven that they're winners. Yeah, and like I can have a whole bunch of dudes who have good culture, but if we don't win. With good culture, I can take bad culture and rebuild it. Yeah. Right? I can make my culture meh and rebuild it on my on my on my staff. Because you know what solves culture? Winning. Look at the look at the Sox. They were a joke for a long time. One good year, right? Culture's great. Mm-hmm. Build off of it, but I don't I don't know if they're necessarily the team next year because everybody else is going to get better too. Yep. You got to capitalize. You know, I and I think they're all kind of anticipating some major changes in that locker room so the culture shift's going to happen in one way or another um so yeah giants dodgers um the series has played out exactly how i thought it would in just that they've been hilariously even on on pretty much every the games have been great it's 2-2 series right now um if you had so let's let's go theoretical here let's say for fun the giants win so then our championship series is Giants versus Braves and then Sox-Houston. Who's in the World Series? Houston versus 
Houston versus San Francisco. Okay. And then even vice versa if the Dodgers And then are Houston in there. wins the title. <sighs> he will hate that. You can hate it all you want. You can it, hate it all you want. Either way. Their it, big three is still dope. Oh, yeah. Like, Bregman's still a good player. Oh, great player. Like, I, I don't know. Like, I don't know. And listen, I can see the Braves pulling off the upset over over the, the Giants. I, I Again, I think that um, I'm super surprised. And, and this is gonna this is gonna come off odd. Okay. At what point in time do good players not matter because the math matters? I think that's more of a regular season question. So, but that's my thing, right? Like the the Dodgers have create like batting average, power guys like littered across their lineup. Right, their lineup is deep as heck, with really really good players. Mm-hmm. But at some point in time, the difference between having a guy who is batting three ten and is an all star versus a guy who's batting two eighty and isn't, when you're when when you're you're eight guys nine guys deep, like as as soon as you have more than three of these guys on a team, does it even make sense? Because I'm looking at these Dodgers and like based off of what you've consolidated into a, a group. My performance should be way higher than what I'm getting. Well, I mean, isn't, isn't that a testament to how good the Giants are? No. So what is it then? It's the math not mattering. Like, in a regular season, a guy who bats 310 across 600 at-bats, mm. I, I, I find that the math matters, right? Yeah. I find that the math, the actual math ends up being, you know, what amounts to five points. Right? Like, it's not an actual big number. Mm-hmm. Right? So, when you start saying, like, a 5% difference between one guy and another, that uh, that matters across 600 at-bats. Right? Because it's 30 more hits. And that mattered across 600 at-bats. But when we're now into a situation where you're getting, in the whole postseason, under 100 at-bats, the difference between 280 and 310 isn't mattering. Mm-hmm. It's coming up with... When does that hit happen? When's the math happen? And like, I'm just watching it and you'd say like, and a, a math person would say, well, a guy who bats 310 and the guy who bats 280, ultimately over the law of averages, that guy who bats 310 should get a few more hits and then thus look more clutch. It's not true, right? Because mm-hmm. we know over, in order to become statistically significant, they typically say in that math, you're looking at 1800 is like, you, you, you know it. That's why I say you need three years of a guy being in the MLB before you really know what he is. Mm-hmm. You need three guy, years for a guy in the NBA. Fourth year, he can maybe start breaking out. NFL players, three years of time, then you start seeing DNs and all these guys start to break out, quote-unquote, quarterbacks break out. Because you now have enough attempts that you have learned from it, right? That the, the amount of exposures have given me learning, but also I can start to say I know closer to who you are. Mm-hmm. But in a hundred exposures, anything can happen because it's to some degree random. Yeah, I can have a guy bat five hundred in the playoffs. I could mm-hmm. if he only gets fifty at bats, gets twenty five hits. He's hot, but it's only twenty five hits. So like, I'm I'm watching this Dodgers team, and I'm recognizing also like, it's the it's the same Yankees math, right? It's the same thing. You're spending a lot of money and you did a lot of stuff to get these guys and it gave you a good record, but now it doesn't effing matter. And, and like, that's so foreign to me because if I told you that I collected five NBA guys, right? Mm -hmm. Like, if I had five guys who were the equivalent, like if I had the Golden State Warriors when the Golden State Warriors were the Golden State Warriors, there was no beating them. Mm -hmm. The only thing they needed, they were going to get hurt, right? That was it. That was how you beat them. Somebody got hurt, somebody got ejected, something else happened. But if all of them were on the court, you lost. The game was over before it started. Baseball, we get to the playoffs, it does not matter. None of it, it's a joke. Yep. And like, that's where, again, I go and I said, like, the White Sox fucked up. You gotta win. Yeah. That's, that was that was more my, the, what the question was, was like, are they gonna bear down and perform? Because like, that's where it really mattered. And they didn't. 
But and that's the crazy thing is like you you have a bunch of baseball players who tell you you know it's just one game out of 162. It's this, and then you practice all year not caring about one game, mm-hmm. and then you get to this moment where you got to care about every game. Yep. And just it doesn't seem like baseball guys have the ability to all of a sudden clutch up at scale and like say that my whole team is way more talented than you so we're going to out talent you on the field every moment mm-hmm. it's not happening if it was if if i lined up talent i think for you talent, see spurts of it but that's my point right i should expect the dodgers team position by position at bat by at bat to have an advantage in almost every single person in the batting order for sure Thus, if I, my pitching is better and my my players are deemed better at every position, I should beat you easily. That's not the case in baseball. Because guys just can't turn it up and be great, right? And give more effort mm-hmm. for five at-bats and then have it achieve three hits that are, are meaningful. In the NBA, a guy can clutch up and he can go and drive to the basket and make a hard layup. He so can that's just pull the back in the game. A hundred percent. I'm more saying is I think that like the, the like baseball needs to get a reversion, or you need to find the clutch guys. We talk about this with the difference between Mookie Betts and a, a guy like Trout. Like Betts has proven that he'll show up and win. Trout will put up numbers that don't lead to winning. This is a situation where I'm looking at these Dodgers, and if you lose this game, I I got to break the whole thing up. What's the point? Yeah. What What's the point? And then it, and then it's just even more testament to how the Giants have constantly Put their team won. together. Yep. They, they, they it's literally just, said, like you're saying they 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 just have guys who are performing when it matters. Chris well, Bryant has has done it. I know Chris Bryant will come up with clutch plays. Mm-hmm. He'll come up with – we talk about with Javi Bias, right? Javi comes up with clutch plays. He's got a spark in him for clutchness, right? Lindor, at the end of the year, used to, big at bat, started to make these moments. I started to see more of it. Conforto never has been a clutch player in one time. I've never known him to be a clutch hitter. Like, yeah. Never. Well, we need a big hit from... No, never have I said, like, oh, Conforto came up huge in that game. Mm-hmm. Like, has he won games before? Sure. But they were games that, like, there was no pressure on. I don't remember anybody coming up. Like, Chris Bryant? I feel like my man shows up and hits. Buster mm-hmm. Posey. You know, done it. On the Dodgers, who I just, like, constantly feel like is that guy, Chris Taylor. Like, he'll just come up. Like, he batted, like, 240 on the season. But when they needed a walk-off... There he was. Villar, we were just talking about it earlier. Yep. Villar on the, the Alars on the, the the Mets, period. We were winning more games than those guys were playing all the time. Mm-hmm. But they're batting 250. But then you have guys who come in who, who bet 275. Well, the math is playing out that these guys are better. But why are these guys not winning as many games? Oh, well, it's the luck of the... No, I disagree. Like, yes, across 600 bets, this guy will hit the ball more times. But this guy, when I need him to do it... Knows how to square up a ball. He can clutch up. Is there a measurable for that? For clutchness? Yeah. There, ha- there, ha- run like batting like, average with runners in scoring position. Okay. Like that's a genuine thing. Like you only have so many times that a guy comes up in, in scoring position. So a guy at second base, what do you do? Can we pull up Villar like uh, batting average with runners in scoring position for the year? And then you got to compare it against just his normal batting average, mm-hmm. right? And if across the season he's 244 and with runners in scoring position he's 285, the dude's clutch. Like, he becomes – because if he was a 285 hitter year-round, he'd be a mm-hmm. full-time starter, right? Yeah. If he was a 285 hitter in the meaningless moments, he, he always plays. Yeah. But if, if they show up in their clutch in the moment, right, they're at least – you know, if they're better and they're raising themselves up, dude, you, you're clutch. Did you have it yet? Nope, still looking. Okay. Give yourself time. Go for it. Talking about, like, is it measurable? Is there, like, a physical trait where that, like, certain guys can tap into this no. extra level? That's not a thing? I can't I can't think. 
I can't think that there's a of so like in basketball, right? A physical trait that a guy can do when he needs to score is if he can just bully his way to the basket and make mm. it impossible. So sure. Shaq, Shaq was like clutch because if he got the ball in a tight game, the other guy just couldn't stop him because he was physically dominant. Right. Right. So like he had an ability to physically clutch, but you look at like Kobe Bryant. Kobe Bryant was a worse shooter in clutch moments than he was the rest of the games. Now you can say, oh, well, he had more coverage on him. It was this, this, whatever. But he was around the same shooter. But when you look at a guy like Carmelo Anthony, Carmelo Anthony shot like 17% higher than uh, Kobe Bryant on uh, on on shots to take the lead in under two minutes. Right? Mm-hmm. And if Kobe Bryant versus Carmelo... When we look at those numbers, you say, yeah, but nobody would tell you that Kobe was less clutch than Carmelo Anthony. Mm-hmm. Well, why? Because Kobe's teams always won, right? Yeah. Is Derek Jeter more clutch than than Alex Rodriguez? People were saying, yeah, for yeah. a long time. But then we're on the same team. We're finally here. We're in the moment. It's time to go. Jeter was less clutch, directly proportional in a, mm-hmm. in a World Series moment, getting the team... And Alex Rodriguez. So who's more clutch? Oh well, it's still Jeter. Because think of all the big hits he had across his whole career. Well, who was on a more who whose team won more? And in baseball, one guy does not dictate winning percentage. Yeah, they don't. They have no bearing. I and the way I know that is Mike Trout has not dragged his team to the playoffs. Mm-hmm. And if if you could do it with one guy in baseball, you could have one dude drag the whole team. Well, I guess that also is like he just could. Sometimes he just not oh, at bat in the clutch moment. Correct. So right? that like there's it. And like, that, like football, if it's clutch moment, you can throw it to that guy and Josh Allen, make a play. Right? Yeah. The, the game is starting to get a little tight the other night. Josh Allen and the Buffalo Bills versus Kansas City Chiefs. Game's getting tight. They need a long drive to just suck time off the clock. Mm. Right? Third and four. Third and four. Nobody's open. Josh Allen needs to run. Guy is collapsing down, going to hit him two yards short. Guy goes low to hit Josh Allen. Josh Allen jumps over an NFL starting player, leaps over him with his six foot five, two hundred and fifty pound body, just skies. Gets over, gets the first down. Drive continues. Clutch, man. Yeah, yeah. And you go back the last year on the Thanksgiving game against the Dallas Cowboys. Maybe it wasn't last year; it was two years ago. Um, Fourth and one, they snap the ball to try to get Josh Allen to do a QB sneak. Bad snap, ball's on the ground. Josh Allen grabs the ball, picks it up, tries to dive over the line, gets hit by a guy, shrugs him off, spins, lunges a second time, gets the first down. Guy grabs him, he takes the ball, flips the dude backwards to make sure he gets the yards. Clutch, man. Mm-hmm. That's not the play you teach. Had the moment, do it. How how do you clutch? Some guys are clutch, some guys aren't in that in that situation. It really, for me, it feels like it's just can you tap into an extra level of focus when it matters? And so, like some people can over a long period of time, like you said, Kobe sometimes wasn't clutch in the clutch moment, but over a lifetime, over a full season, he was. And then you get guys like like a Chris Taylor who's batting two forty, but when it's time for him to make a big play, somehow he's there all the time. He, like in World Series, he's made diving plays to win games, walk off home runs. Like he's not a great player. He was an All Star this year, but he's. It seems like there are guys who can tap into that extra level when it matters, like all the time. And I feel like that's something over a regular season where that it's hard to measure. But like for example, for the Mets, because we always go back to them. Always. Brandon Drury. For some reason, yep. came up in a pinch situation to win a game and would just keep doing it. And it's like, well, why isn't he starting then? Oh, well, there's other guys doing this. Like you're saying, this guy's batting higher than him, whatever the case is. But he's clutch. So why wouldn't you want the guy who can lock in when it matters to go win the game for you? And I feel like that's just something that's challenging to measure. But it definitely exists and is more of like the eye test aspect of baseball. So... Uh, last year there was a uh, there was a, a a little article that was done about batters who excel with runners in scoring position, um, 
and they pulled up how many RBIs were created by that player with a minimum of 120 at bats. Okay. How what what was your average RBIs in that situation? The number one player at that time who had at least 120 at bats was DJ LeMahieu, right? Mm-hmm. And that makes sense if you were a Yankee fan or you followed the Yankees. DJ was a killer for like a two three year run, right? He was getting 0.51 RBIs with a runner in scoring position per at bat, right? Wow. So you get 120 at bats, you got an RBI in 60 of them. Mm-hmm. 60. So 50% of the time you were driving in an RBI. Yeah, that's clutch, huge. Yeah. Right? You then go down the line and you start seeing a, a trend on some things. Number two, Eric Hosmer. Right? We mm-hmm. don't think about Hosmer as like a great first baseman. Right, we don't think about oh my god, like that's the first baseman you would choose, but runner in scoring position, 0.5. Again, he came up 128 times. He got 74 RBIs. Mm. Like, let's go, dude. Roughnet Odor, Bryce Harper, Javi Baez, Freddie Freeman, Anthony Rizzo, Rafael Devers, Albert Pujols, Anthony Rendon. Right, Mm -hmm. I'll stop there. Because no I'm pretty. That was nine. No, I'll give you one more. Okay. I'll give you one more. Ho, uh, Jose Abreu. Okay. And Abreu was tied with Seager and Eddie Rosario. So when I look at all of those names, some of them come to light that we know that that guy is that guy, mm-hmm. right? I tell you, right? Bryce Harper came up in a big moment. That's why Bryce Harper's Bryce Harper. Maybe that's that difference. That's, see that list right there for me is like okay. The, all of those guys, if you told me I could pick any of them to win a clutch at, ba- clutch at bat, no, I have no problem picking any of those top 10 people. But, like, you can get a guy who bats 340 on the year and then is, like, a nobody. And, I, and I, I guess that's why a lot of people are trending away from using batting averages like a big-time statistic. They're more about OPS and other, you know, metrics. But, for sure, that is, like, a huge thing. Are you clutch in with the runners in starting position where you can have more – statistically speaking, I won't have an opportunity to score runs. Uh, a thousand percent. I think that this goes back to like what we're saying with like, do we think Reese Hoskins is a good player? Yeah. Right. Reese Hoskins in 151 at bats, got 47 RBIs with a runner in scoring position. 0.24, right? Mm-hmm. 0.24 RBIs, right? Per plate appearance. Yeah. So he is 50% worse than DJ LeMahieu and Bryce Harper in a big moment, mm-hmm. right? He he. So Bryce Harper for the Phillies is twice as good in a clutch situation as Reese Hoskins. Well, what's Reese's numbers overall this year, right? And, and what's what's Reese Hoskins' numbers when he's a good player versus what's a guy like um, a guy like Harper run? So Hoskins this year had a down year um, because he didn't play as much, but he had 27 home runs, batted 247. His overall OPS was 864. So, again, he's still an 864 guy. So, he's about 100 points off OPS from Bryce Harper, mm-hmm. which is not that big. But he's t- like, Bryce Harper is twice as likely to get an RBI if a man's on second or third. That's the thing. There's the, there's the thing, right? When you show up. And you have the opportunity to do it. Do you do it? Because I might look at the entire Dodgers team and I might have guys who do nothing with a runner in scoring position. I might be looking at the Giants that we get a guy on second, 50% shot. Our top five guys are bringing him home. I would love That's to, it. I would love to see what the Mets batting average was with running runners in scoring position this year. It has to be a One of the worst in the history. It has to be a Had to be. Had to, had to be like sub 200 minimum. It, it, it was, well, again, you had guys on the team who were starting full time whose batting averages, period, were around 200. Mm-hmm. Michael Conforto was an atrocity of a player this year, yep. right? If he didn't have his historical like reference, he's not playing anymore. Mm-hmm. It would have benched his ass a long time ago. Yeah. If he was a young, young, young player, quote unquote, right? Because I'm pretty sure he's only like 28 years old. If he was a, a young player, Michael Conforto would have been benched. He would have been one of the guys that we cycled through this Khalil year. Khalil Lee. He would be, him and Khalil Lee are not much different this year in the major league level. Yeah. Right? You would have gotten rid of him. Like, he, him and Jared Kalenic had the same batting average in the second half. Yep. 
that's all you need to know, mm-hmm. right? That's all you need to know. And and I think that's the point is like when when we're looking at all of this stuff, I I think baseball is so much. You gotta you gotta look at the pressure packed moments. You get a team that's good enough, good enough. At that point, I need guys who are just dogs. Yep. And that goes back to like me saying like, what do you really need in the lineup? You probably need three studs. Right. You then need four guys who can who are who are above average everyday players. Right. I'm not saying that you need to have like, but we're talking like the J.D. Davises. Yeah. Right. J.D. Davis could probably start for 25 of the the teams in the MLB with his 860 plus OPS at third base. Mm-hmm. He could get at bats with every single team in the league. That dude is on the Mets. Good. That's enough. He is good enough. But I need my three dogs to show up. And then I need to have my back two guys be guys that I take risks on. Mm-hmm. I don't know what they are. The boomer bust guys. The boomer bust guys. And like I feel like too many teams are like, yeah, we got a pile of guys who have good 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 statistics, good analytics. But dude, they're you're missing one K, big KPI. It's like, is this dude clutch? Mm-hmm. Pilar clutch. Pilar clutch. I would love Conforto, to see Pilar had some clutch. Uh, VR had uh, 140 batting average with runners in scoring position. Beautiful. So, like, I'm, I'm tainted by how bad the Mets were. Yeah. Right? I'm tainted, but, like, he had big hits. I feel like he always had these big hits. Nope. Guess what? I've been lied to. That explains why the team sucks. Because yep. Villar was up with, with big key moments all year long. Because how many at-bats did the homie get? Do you have that pulled up? Uh, at bats with runners in scoring position. Just at bats, period. I can if you have ba- right at bats with runners in scoring position, it was, hun- it was uh, 120. So a dude who batted 100. You had a 147. Yeah. He batted 150 in a hundred plus at bats with runners in scoring position. That's brutal. That's why you lose. That is brutal. But the fact that that guy got 120 at bats with runners in scoring position, he had to at least have had 400 at bats this year. Uh, just so you have it as well, Mets with runners in scoring position had a 238 batting average this season. That's the answer. Brutal. There's no there's no clutch gene on that team. Mm-hmm. Is there in that stat? Is there a, a runners left on base? I can find it. I uh, don't have it up at the moment. Okay. It doesn't matter, right? the The big thing is, like, I just looked up Khalil Lee. He he was he was worse than that, but he got 18 at bats. In 18 at bats, he only got one hit. Mm-hmm. Um, but like, his his 60 batting average, his .060 batting average. Not that much worse than what Villars just was in clutch situations. And my man got 400-something at-bats this year. Like, and did not come up clutch when it really mattered. We thought he did because of a window. Mm-hmm. An 18-game window where they were carrying our team with everybody hurt and injured. Team sucked when it mattered. I think that's what I'm, I'm really getting to right now is, like, there's not enough clutch on some of these teams. Mm-hmm. And you're seeing, like, the Astros, like, well, why did the Astros win? Uh, clutch. If you wanted These to build a here. stat, yeah, with like a couple different elements yeah. to to determine yeah. a clutch gene, yeah, what would you pull in? Like I would go, I would go RBI with runner in scoring position. Mm-hmm. Um, I would go batting average in a one run game after the seventh inning. Yep, that's that's exactly where right? I was thinking. Yep. Um, and then I would go, uh, OPS in a game after the seventh inning. Cause I still think how you succeed matters. Mm-hmm. Getting a weak single and having a 650 OPS when your regular OPS is 850. Yeah. You can get a little hit and you can knock it along. But when I, when I build my lineup around you being an 850 OPS guy and you become a 650 OPS guy, mm-hmm. you failed. Right. Right, yeah. Like I need the same hitter to be the same hitter in the in that moment. Mm-hmm. Right, like they'll you, you and you hear it, and this is an old world kind of thought. Oh, you just get a knock, keep it alive. Let somebody else, mm-hmm. you know. No, if I'm building my team though, based off of gross analytics, and the gross analytics tell me that you're a, a power hitter who who has an 850. You're, you're Pete Alonso. Mm-hmm. If Pete just gets a single for me, all of the other analytics don't matter for me. I'm a, I'm a ground into an inning-ending double play. If he had hit a double, right, mm-hmm. 
I don't. And then I keep it alive. But because you were a worse version of yourself in that moment, you set us up for failure. That's part of that clutch gene. Yep. Are you, I think that's the biggest thing is how many guys are themselves or better when it matters? Right. When are you doing your numbers? Right. And I, again, this goes back to, you know, guys, guys used to let, like say all the time, you know, Stanton will hit a, a, a solo home run down eight runs in the eighth inning. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, sure. He has 85. His OPS is crazy. He's got all this stuff. Get done with it. He was doing it when it didn't matter. Yep. I, the doing it when it matters thing matters. Yep. Again, Otani this year. What was what was the Angels' overall record, right? And if we have the Angels right as the comp in recent order, what what have they been winning over the last couple of years in terms of? You know, what's their record year in and year out? The Angels finished the year 77 and 85. So, 77 and 85. What was their record the year before? Well, it's going to be weird because of COVID. So, when's the last time they won 77 games? The answer is 2018. Okay. So, you, Otani being the only guy, you won 77 games, right? Mm Mm-hmm. There's only been two other seasons since 2015 that's better than that. For right? So in the last six years, 80 wins is their peak. Otani was by himself for most of the year. He got 77 wins. That's what I mean by clutch. Yeah. Like that dude clutched his way. Like he matters to winning. Because you, when, when you, oh my God, Dennis has something. Hold on. I can't even talk anymore. Batting average leaders with runners in scoring position this season. Fernando Tatis was number two with a 364 batting average. Can you take a guess as to who was number one? Shohei Otani. <laughs> I had to guess. Juan, Carl- go ahead. Are you going to say Juan Soto? Juan Soto, and he was 32 points higher than Tatis. He was a 396 batter with runners in scoring <laughs> position. <laughs> Guys, oh Juan Soto is our MVP. Yep. <laughs> right? 2022 MVP if he doesn't win it this year. Like, Soto, we talked about it before the year. Soto's got the Barry Bonds vibes for mm-hmm. me, right? Soto is disgusting, but that's the proof. Yep. But that also goes back to what is Tatis's batting average this year as a normal number, right? Because because Juan Soto's got a like a three thirty batting average, right? Like Soto's a good hitter, so he goes from three thirty to three ninety. Tatis batted two eighty, uh, and Soto was three thirteen on the season, right? So like Tatis is two eighty, but then when it matters, he was a what? Uh, 364. That's the guy. Mm-hmm. That's why you pay him the money. Yep. Hey, there's a guy in this moment. and Come up. He is a better player. Can you find When me, he needs to be the guy. Can you find Javi Baez stat for that? Yeah. Number yeah. three was Brandon Crawford, by the way, in case anyone was. So, again, like, now, now we start putting the math together. We start mm-hmm. looking at this. Things start making more sense for us. Right? I bet you Brendan Belt was up there on that stat, too. I don't know if it's in that list, but I'll find out in a just, second. Just start reading us the top ten. Just right. give us top, the top. Top ten, Juan Soto, uh, Fernando Tatis Jr. we talked about. Brendan Crawford was a 353. Freddie Freeman was 352. So hold on, right? Like we just said, can Freddie Freeman throw you on his back and carry you? Yes. Yep. It is confirmed. Uh, Max Muncie was number five at a 346. Manny Machado, 344. Uh, Jesse Winker. Think was... about that, though. Manny and Tatis were both in the lineup, and they bat top five in the league with a runner in scoring position. Mm-hmm. Right? That shows me how bad the rest of that lineup played. Yeah. Because those two guys were doing it. All you had to do was be on base. My question is OPS in those moments. That's a stat they don't pull together. Because, again, if a guy like Tatis and a guy like Machado, great batting average, are hitting singles, but they're not hitting for power, mm-hmm. right? Now the guys I expect to be bangers don't bang, we lose. Yep. Right? Keep going. Keep going. I just realized this is also the NL leaders. I'll find AL afterwards. But um, uh, after Winker, it was Corey Seager, uh, Paul Goldschmidt, and Bryce Harper. Bryce is up there again. Mm-hmm. Right? And, like, we'll get the American League guys, and we'll get that idea. But, dude, that makes all the sense in the world. Yep. It makes all the sense in the world, and that's to me why. If you're any team in the league, you do anything for Soto right now. 
I, I will I will trade you anything you want that I have. I will trade Jacob Degrom. I will trade what Francisco Alvarez. I will trade Noah Syndergaard. And I will trade you every player you want in my minor league system to have soda. Like anyone you want. You literally just put on the paper what you want. And I will take that to pay Soto whatever he wants. If Juan Soto says, I want $50 million a year for a 12-year deal. Excellent, I will, sir. That is a bargain. Here is Thank your, you. Here is your $600 million. Here you yeah. go. Would you like it all up front? <laughs> yes, I would. Deal. Excellent. Here's $600 million up front. Signing bonus. Doesn't count. Deal. You're zero on our payroll after this. Done. Yep. Don't give up. Soto is God. Yep. You got AL for us? AL. I'm going to butcher two names, I'm sure. Uh, Gurriel Jr. was uh, 368. He led the league. Obviously, Toronto's going to have a the, bunch of guys also the on the AL list. batting champ. Um, Akil Badu, uh-huh. uh, 359. He was number two. Jed Lowry was number three. Akil Badu's going to be sneaky good next Not even sneaky. He's going to be legit next year. Uh, Bo Bichette, four. J.D. Martinez, five. Jorge Polanco was six. Austin Hayes on Baltimore was number uh, six as well. They tied at a 333 batting average. Uh, Aaron Judge, number eight. Jared Walsh, nine. Teoscar Hernandez, ten. So, again, Aaron Judge being in the top. Hey, because if he's in the top ten, his batting average is not in the top ten. He batted like 290-something this year. So, again, you're at least yourself or better when you show up. My only question is OPS with runners in scoring position. Right. Right, because I think that that matters. I, I really do. I think it matters. Yeah, judge on the year 287 with a 916 OPS. Right, so, like, again, he, yeah. he's 30 points higher when he comes up and a guy's on base. Mm-hmm. That's the clutch gene. I got I to gotta weigh that when I'm, I'm putting this stuff together. Mm-hmm. Then it's the math, right? How many of those guys do I really need? Yeah. It seems like an ideal approach, and this is very vague. Oh, yeah. Get some, get people going early in your lineup with high OBPs. Then you get your clutch guys. Get, get Even if you don't have them, go get them. If well, who, Austin Hayes on the Orioles batted 340? Yeah. Okay, you could probably get him for not much. Some prospect will probably get you Austin Hayes. And, like, the Billy Bean this thing, if you got no idea what you're doing. Like, you see the Mets are trying so, to get... So, but, like, like this, is a, this is a perfect... So, what you just said is a perfect component of what it is. Austin Hayes is number six. What was the batting average? 333 with runners in scoring position. His for-the-year batting average is 256. But he hit 22 home runs. He's a 3-2 war player. He's only 26. Is this the thing that lets me know, right, that Austin Hayes is a breakout candidate 2022, Mm -hmm. right? So, like, and then now we look at it with a little bit of perspective, right? Austin Hayes in 2019 as a 23-year-old playing in a few games, right, had a 947 OPS. Right, last year, sporadic at bats in a in an in an odd duck year for him mm-hmm. as a young prospect. I'm sure it was difficult. He 722 OPS this year, 769 OPS. But those numbers tell me that this dude's going to do it more than we expect. The pressure moment doesn't get him. How many? Uh, you said he was tied with someone, right? Yeah, Jorge Polanco. For and how many at bats did he have? He so Hayes was. 30, uh, 34 for 102. Polanco was 40 for 120. Okay, cool. So not not drastically different in the number of bats and, and chances. Right. Okay. But that's still, I mean, at the end of the day, that's he's producing when it matters. On a team that didn't Lost produce much. Boatload. Yeah. So in in 2019. Oh, hold on. Do you want to know who number 11 was on the uh, list for the AL? Number what? 11. Go Let for us it. know. Ahmed Rosario. Ahmed, there you go. And and again, that team overproduced for what everybody anticipated. And Ahmed was a really, really, really good player mm-hmm. for them, right? 
And Ahmed is is showcasing a lot of the things that made him the guy he was. He batted 282 on the season, 11 home runs. He had a 2-1 war. Is that a guy that you need to have all the time? No, but like Ahmed is a dude who just showed that he'll come up clutch when he has a guy on base and his other numbers are good. He's a be- He was a better player when it needed. You are not building your team around him being a superstar. But if you put him in your lineup as your, your six hitter, your team's going to win a hell of a lot of games because he's going to be a better player when it's clutch than all these other dudes. And I'm now getting these micro moments where he needs to come up big. He comes up big. Mm-hmm. And the rest of the time, I have a really solid player, if not great. So you pay him $12 million a year to come play second base for you. And all of a sudden you're like, yeah, you know, we, we have a guy who's a really solid everyday player. But when it matters, he's going to be an even better player. I'm getting an all-star. Because if Ahmed Rosario's batting average was 300-something all the time, he'd be a four-war guy. Mm-hmm. He's an all-star. He's better than Cronenworth. Like, boom. He's better than the other guy that the Padres got. What's his name? Frazier. Frazier. Yeah, yeah he's better. Same player. Only lower batting average. But I bet you Frazier can't hit in the clutch. Mm-hmm. And Ahmed did. You know what's crazy, too, about the way baseball is being played now is that the people who could, like, create these opportunities for guys to have runners on scoring position to score runs, like, the 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 thought process of how people are hitting now has altered, like, how do I just want to be on base? Yeah. Because at the end of the day, like, it seems if there are more people on base, inevitably more runs are scored, you win more games. Like, you're, the top of the NL is all guys who are in contention to, you know, or not – Tatis, unfortunately, but you know guys who are you know always impacting and could be in, in contention for championships and things like that. Obviously, Soto's team not this year, but like in previous. Well, absolutely. so that I think that comes back is like one of the things that I'd say about a lot of the guys who are in that in that lineup. You don't have a lot of guys who are the leadoff hitter, mm-hmm. right? So my question is, how biased is it based off of the fact that a guy who's your leadoff hitter is going to have worse guys ahead of him in the lineup? Right, so there's a lot of time where you're just not going to come up with runners in scoring position often, right. and but you got guys like Anthony Rizzo leading off, like that's that's yeah. insanity. Yeah, but like my my thing is is like uh, I we've and we've talked about this on the show before. I think batting average has become under representative mm-hmm. of a good player because you can't have a high batting average in a clutch moment if you're just a guy who takes like who watches the ball go by, right? Because at some point in time, i got to swing the bat, mm-hmm. right? Like, this goes back to Conforto. Conforto, yeah, your OPS, everything else, solid. But you always bat 260, 265, right? Yep. So then when it's time to hit the ball, you don't have the square-up ability to consistently put bat on ball. Mm-hmm. Who, who I saw the other day, and I'm pretty sure it was him, and I just got to confirm before I continue on, who had to me... All of the things, he, yeah, he is, and, and I'm, I'm super happy for him. Um, and, and I look at it and I go, this dude has the clutch gene, and he's always had the clutch gene, and he's proving it now. And he is playing a lot of time for a team that's potentially, he, he played a lot of time for the number one team in the entire league, right? He had 100, 102 hits this year for the number one team in the entire league, hit 18 home runs, had a 782 OPS. Right over his last three seasons, that is his worst year as a 780 OPS. He was routinely clutch as a younger player for the New York Mets. He always seemed to come up with big hits, but never was a superstar. But when the Mets were winning, he was there. When this team is winning, he is there. That's Wilmer Flores. Mm -hmm. Wilmer Flores is that guy. He is the identity that I'm talking about. Wilmer Flores has always been able to square up a ball. His problem was he was not good at taking walks, right? He did not have patience because his bat barrel control was so good, i.e. Shohei Otani, Mm -hmm. that you're swinging at balls that you shouldn't be swinging at because you know you could square them up pretty solid, Mm -hmm. but there's a better pitch for you coming. Be patient, wait for the one that you can square up and your batting average climbs. Last two years, he's an 800-plus OPS guy who can play some second base, some outfield, some third base. And 
again, he he's played in 139 games for San Francisco this year with a 782 OPS. And again, the, the dude is just he's he's that guy. Mm-hmm. And, and that's that's the style of player that I think has gotten undervalued over time. And and his thing has always been I can hit the ball. But my op my my OPS doesn't look great because I hit the ball. I hit it kind of hard, not super hard, mm-hmm. and I don't walk a ton, so it doesn't carry my OPS. Yep. But that dude can play, mm-hmm. and he's always played. Always. Crying out in the outfield because he thought he was traded. Comes up clutch, mm-hmm. banging the ball, and the Mets let him go. All he's going to do is potentially win a ring this year. And it's like a, it's the Daniel Murphy situation all over again. Yep. Everybody get too cutesy because we need these players who fit this mold. Yep. Trash. Dumpster fire. Deeds, you got you got stuff. Yeah, so I, I got OPS team averages with runners in scoring position on the season. Because uh, you're a god. Beats. You're a god at getting those stats, baby. The first thing I want to point out, the New York Yankees were 28th in the league OPS with runners in scoring position this year. That makes mm-hmm. sense. 699. Um, the Mets were 25th because I figured that was another question coming up, 705. Shocker. Everyone at the top is going to make a lot of sense for where they're at right now. Uh, Atlanta was number one, 822 with runners in scoring position, OPS. Mm-hmm. Uh, Houston, 820 was number two. Uh, so right now, right now, right now, it's going to be Boston and it's going to be Houston in the World Series. Uh, uh, no, not, not Boston. Braves. It's, it's going to be the Braves and it's going to be Houston in the World Series. Based off of that number right there. Okay. Tell me who, who's next. Toronto was number three. Uh, <laughs> the team team of the team who wins next year. Uh, Dodgers four eight oh six. Uh, White Sox were seven ninety four. Uh, Boston Red Sox were seven ninety two. San Francisco was seven ninety two, and then the Seattle Mariners were number eight, uh, seven eighty eight on the season. Again, that makes sense. Of they were climbing, even yep. though their team was not good. Mm-hmm. Right, their talent was not good. Um, I think. I think again, like, but this goes back, like. San Francisco versus LA, like who is shit in the bed? Like they're they've been equal. Mm-hmm. Guess what? They're close there. <clears throat> they've been equal. Like it makes sense. But when I look at the talent, I would expect these teams to not be equal. But when I look at the clutch gene, I am getting a better sense of what's real. Oh, how many of the top eight teams were in the playoffs? Uh, Atlanta, Houston. L.A., Chicago, Boston, San Francisco, Tampa. So seven of the ten. Bingo. Right? Like, yeah. I the clutch team, that's mm-hmm. it. That's all it is. Right? That's all it is. That's why we're always like, yo, who, who's even on the race, but why are they always winning? Well, Bang. there's your answer. Clutch team. Yep. Atlanta can't possibly win. They lost Acuna. They only got this clutch team. Whoop. Houston. Oh, man, Houston. Been here before. Know how to hit. Know how to do it. Clutch team. Mm-hmm. Where was Houston in that group? Second. Second? Yeah. Yeah. Not shocking. So, again, they went against the number set. I think seven was White Sox? Uh, five was White Sox. Seven was San Francisco. So, theoretically, based off of that, the Dodgers are going to win. Right? Mm-hmm. And based off of that, we're going to end up ultimately having Houston and... The Braves. Uh, the Braves as our World Series, and if that happens, we crack the code. I can. Yeah. I, I can now we're just gonna start watching this all next. This year. is the only thing Sa- I need. Save the link to that wherever. Send it somewhere so we have it. You got it. Because that's just stupid. Yeah. Like, and that we talk about what's the clutch things. Mm-hmm. Batting average in the moment, OPS in the moment. Yep. Right. Like those things matter. Those things matter. And then from a player perspective, who are the players who show up and do it? Yep. Right. And, and like. Dude, build your team on that shit. Mm-hmm. I don't care if you bat 280. I know you're going to bat 280 in the right moment. That's game winning. Yep. You might bat. You might bat 0 for 5 in a game we lose, right? Mm-hmm. But we, there's a, a close game. It's it's it matters. We're going to win that game because you're going to be the 280 guy when it effing matters. When it doesn't matter, I don't care who you are. Same thing. You're a stud when it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Mike Trout like. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. And LA was the Angels were tenth in OPS with runners in scoring position. So we we know they're on the cusp. We all we've known that for a while. It's yeah. just a matter of <laughs> how many, enough pitching to get there. Yeah. 
Get enough pitching to make it matter. There's not enough. They haven't had enough moments for that, that to Get play out. Get enough pitching for it to matter. I love this. Love this. Great combo. I'm excited. Big game tonight. We'll see. We'll, we'll, we'll know tomorrow, and our next episode will most likely be towards the end of the championship series. It's going to be good regardless of who the matchups are. I'm excited. Um, we'll see if Houston Braves plays out. We will but, see. I, I, I'd, I'd love to see it. I'd love to be historically right that would be, for the 18 millionth time. I love how we unpacked this. This was great. Amazing. Cool. Guys, we'll see you next time. Absolutely. Thanks, guys. Baseball lifestyle. It's my lifestyle. <laughs>